would you turn to the Gospel of Luke? And we're going to uh, begin a 12-week look at Luke's uh, Gospel. As you're turning there, uh, let me uh, pray for our time this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. Uh, We're grateful for so many things, for our salvation most of all, uh, for your Spirit that you've sent to us, for your Son who purchased our redemption and our salvation. And we're thankful for your Word, uh, for your prophets, for your servants, uh, for your own Son who spoke these words and uh, your servants that committed them to writing. We're thankful for Luke uh, and his Gospel that we are going to study uh, over the next few weeks. And so I pray that you would bless our study. Uh, Would we learn more about you? Would we seek to honor and serve you more in all that we do? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. But we are going to uh, do 12 weeks over uh, over the summer on the Gospel of Luke. I'm very excited to look through uh, this Gospel with you. Uh, Luke has 24 chapters. Uh, We're not going to get through all 24 chapters, uh, I don't believe, Uh, My goal is to get through around nine chapters, uh, the first nine chapters of Luke, going through expositionally. And uh, uh, why just those nine chapters, we'll we'll discuss that as we think and look at the structure of the book. But that's that's my goal uh, for the next 12 weeks. And as we're going through Luke, I'd encourage you all to be uh, not just reading Luke as we're here on Sunday mornings, but reading through it on your own, uh, devotionally. Uh, and, and in connection with uh, the book of Acts. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I'm sure as many of you know, Luke and Acts both written by the, the same person, by, by Luke himself. And uh, so be, be, uh, be reading through Acts and even, even reference uh, some of your uh, sermon notes from Pastor Dennis's uh, series on Acts uh, that he finished uh, a few months ago. Uh, because as we look at the Gospel of Luke, we'll see how he is laying the foundation and some of the doctrine, some of the teaching, uh, he's laying the foundations that he'll build upon when he gets to his sequel, as it were, to, to the book of Acts. And so as, as we're studying these uh, together, we'll be able to um, build our understanding of the unity of Scripture and how uh, all Scripture is telling one unified story, and that's uh, never more true than it is here with, with Luke and Acts from the same, very same author uh, writing both of them. And just as I was preparing this morning, just what a privilege it is to be able to study God's Word. And what a privilege it is to uh, sit at the feet of, of the King and hear, from, uh, hear His very own words as, as He speaks uh, to us uh, through them. And so as we, as we study Luke, uh, it's my prayer, uh, as, as our, I've already learned so much more than, than I had before, and I pray we would continue to learn uh, more about our dear Savior, the Savior who came to seek and to save the lost, uh, even us, even us sinners here. Uh, what a wonderful verse, what a wonderful promise from Scripture. So that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to consider this Gospel of Luke who tells us about this, this Son of Man, this, this Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, who, who truly came uh, historically, actually, uh, in a real place and real time in history, came to seek and to save the lost. Well, let's look just briefly, introduction, a little overview of the Gospel of Luke to help orient us uh, to uh, this, this Gospel. There's several things that are unique in Luke, uh, that set him apart from the other uh, three Gospels. But here's, these are just uh, two uh, examples, two things that make you, Luke unique. First is that Luke is actually the longest Gospel. Uh, Matthew has 28 chapters to Luke's 24, uh, but Luke actually contains about 100 verses more uh, than Matthew. Uh, around, uh, Luke has uh, 100, sorry, 1,151 verses to Matthew's 1,071. So it's the longest gospel, and you'll notice that as you're reading through it. Maybe you've done a, a, a Bible reading plan, and you're reading one chapter a week, or one chapter a day, rather. <laughs> one chapter a week would take you quite a while to get through. You're reading a chapter a day or so, and you notice that all Luke's chapters have 80 or 90 verses in them. It's like, that's, that's like two or three chapters worth of verses. So Luke is very, very uh, long. He's the longest gospel. Luke is also 
the only uh, gospel with a sequel, as we already, already stated. Uh, Luke uh, also wrote uh, the book of Acts, and um, we, we know that from the beginning of both of the books. He dedicates the books to a man named Theophilus, and we'll talk more about him later. But it's the only book with a sequel, and so it's really interesting Then we can study these two books, Luke and Acts, and we can see the, the unity of the story and the themes and the theology that Luke is, is teaching through both of these books. And one of the ways we can summarize this unity is talking about God's plan of redemption through Jesus, which is the message of Luke, and how that redemption it creates this new covenant community. Of, of saved people, Jew and Gentile, and uh, the, the book of Acts is, is now exploring how God's redeemed people go and uh, live out their commission to go and make disciples of all nations, beginning in Jerusalem and in Judea, and then into Samaria, and then into the ends of the earth. And so Luke will go to great length to demonstrate this truth, that this Jewish carpenter, this this this. Jewish man from Nazareth is indeed the Savior of the world. And he's not just a Savior for his Jewish brothers and sisters. He's a Savior for the Gentiles. He's a Savior for everyone. And so we'll, we'll consider this, this theme uh, along with some other unique uh, themes uh, in Luke as we, as we go along this morning. Well, I've mentioned Luke a few times now, but let's consider just who uh, Luke was. So we know that Luke was a companion uh, to Paul. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can uh, flip over quickly to um, the book of Philemon, which is the small uh, letter right before Hebrews. Just 25 verses, but we see in verse 24, uh, the Apostle Paul is giving his final greetings. He says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends his greetings to you. And then in verse 24, he says, And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, who he calls his fellow workers. So Luke is a companion to the Apostle Paul. We see this also in uh, the uh, so-called we sections of the book of Acts, when uh, as Acts is being narrated in the third person, uh, in some of these sections, it'll switch to the first person. And instead of saying, Paul went and did so-and-so, or he or they went and did so-and-so, Acts will shift, and then it'll say, and then we went, and we did so-and-so. And so the, the author of Acts, Luke, he's putting himself in the story because he was a companion of, of Paul. He was a companion of Paul. He was with Paul on many of his journeys. We also see that he is a physician. And we see that from uh, this reference in Colossians chapter 4, where uh, Paul again uh, sends his greetings from Luke, the beloved physician, uh, the doctor. And then we can also, uh, we also know from Luke, if you flip back to uh, the beginning of, of Luke's gospel, we also see that he was a second-generation Christian because he, he, he distinguishes himself from the, the eyewitnesses that were there, that the, the first-hand believers and disciples that, that uh, were with Jesus in his ministry. He uh, is not one of those people, but he is writing an account on the basis of those sources. And so he was a second generation, he was a Gentile convert to Christianity. Other than this information, uh, this, this biblical and bi- biographical information, we really don't know much more about Luke. Um, but what's interesting is that, uh, well, first of all, Luke, neither the Gospel Luke or the Acts of the Apostles, neither of those books name the author. Luke doesn't name himself in either of those books, unlike uh, maybe Paul's epistles and, and books like that. Uh, but what's interesting is that there's never any doubt uh, that Luke was the author of these two, these two works. Uh, even in the very first uh, century, uh, or the, the early church, the early church fathers, they all considered Luke uh, to be the author of these, of these two uh, works. 
uh, both Luke and Acts. And we, and we see the, the similarity between the two, uh, obviously the, the similar introduction uh, to both Luke and to Acts. And so, uh, and so we, we know that uh, he, he wrote them. Do you have a question? What's that? That Luke is a historian? Well, he, he wrote a historical narrative. He's a... No, no. So he's a physician by profession, a doctor by trade. Uh, but we, we do refer to him as, uh, as a historian sometimes uh, because of the historical nature of his writing, his very detailed accounts. And, and so we'll, we'll get into some of that, actually, as we, as we go along. But he is a, a physician uh, by trade. Well, so that's, that's the person, Luke. But then we need to ask, why did he write uh, this gospel? What was the purpose? What was the occasion? Well, we already talked about Theophilus a little bit. He dedicates this book to him. Not that this book is only for him, but we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit more later. But there's many different purpose statements that we could find in the gospel of Luke, or many different reasons why we could we could surmise from the gospel. I, I picked out these four, uh, these four verses that really get to the heart, to the purpose, uh, Luke's pastoral concern in, in writing this, this gospel. So we see from the introduction that Luke says, that it seemed good to me, it seemed good to Luke, that he also, in addition to these other sources, in addition to these other works that have already been written, it seemed good to Luke also that he would write an orderly account so that, Theophilus might have certainty. He's also writing this this gospel to, uh, and these are the words of the angel to the shepherds, to write the good news, the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ that is for all people, for all people, Jew and Gentile alike. One of our theme verses I put on the first slide. This is good news that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the, the climax of the, the major section in Luke, the, the middle section, which is Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. And this is uh, Jesus' words to Zacchaeus when he meets with him there. And he, he tells them, and he gives him uh, the, the self-proclamation uh, of, of his own, his own uh, ministry and his, his mission was to come and to seek and save the lost. And one of the other um, wonderful uh, verses in Luke and sections in Luke is on the Emmaus Road after, after the resurrection where Jesus is walking with these two disciples and he, he explains to them and he interprets Scripture, opens up Scripture for them that they might understand all of these things, all these things concerning him that were prophesied by Moses and the prophets. And so if we can, we can put this all together into one uh, purpose statement, as it were. We could say it like this, that Luke wrote his gospel so that Theophilus and all subsequent readers, all of us, that we would have certainty concerning the good news of great joy for all people, namely, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost, just as Moses and all the prophets said. This gets to the heart of what Luke is trying to uh, demonstrate for us, the purpose of, of his gospel, that we would have certainty, that we would know that the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost, that we would know that this is good news for all people, Jew and Gentile alike, and that this is in accordance with and uh, the fulfillment of all of Scripture. This is exactly what God has promised from the very beginning that he would do. Well, with that being said, uh, this, this purpose statement, this, this gets into some of the, uh, some of the key themes of, of Luke. And so I want to spend a little time now just considering some of those, those key themes and some of Luke's theology. Uh, like we already mentioned, uh, the Gospel of Luke is uh, very historical. Uh, it's, it's very uh, accurate. Not that 
the other gospel accounts are not accurate or not historical. But Luke, um, being a, a professional, uh, writes in a very professional manner. Uh, he uh, is a very skilled writer. Uh, some of the best uh, New Testament Greek is found in Luke. He is very detailed. Uh, he is very uh, reliable. This is even evid- evident in the opening verses uh, of, of Luke. Um, and we see uh, in, in several places throughout Luke, he's very, uh, very uh, thorough in his description of places and locations, uh, listing uh, governors and other authority figures, uh, the, uh, the events and the uh, situations of the day, not just uh, figures, but, but even uh, the tensions between groups of people, um, between the religious leaders and and uh, the uh, or uh, the religious leaders and the people, or uh, the the people and the tax collectors and and the other uh, um, uh, groups of, of outcasts, as it were. So all of all of the the different uh, uh, the just the political and the social uh, situation going on. Luke is a very uh, detailed author and writer, and this is very important for Luke because he wants to write and wants to. Like we've seen, this this uh, write this gospel in such a way uh, that uh, there would be certainty. That there would be certainty, and the way that there's certainty is by laying out all the evidence and all the facts in a very detailed and orderly way, uh, so that Theophilus and all of us, every every reader of this gospel, would have certainty concerning the things of Jesus. One of the other uh, key themes in Luke is God's sovereignty. And God's sovereignty over the, the whole plan of redemption that God brings about through the person and work of Christ. Uh, there's a Greek word uh, for um, something that is a necessity or something that is necessary. Uh, the Greek word uh, day, uh, uh, delta epsilon iota. Uh, so not don't think of day, D-A-Y. Uh, but uh, this, this Greek word uh, day uh, shows up uh, throughout the New Testament, it shows up in all the gospel writers, but it shows up the most in Luke and Acts. Uh, Luke uses this word 40 times across both of his, his two volumes. And it's, it's a word that, that um, states the necessity of something that's going to happen, something that, that must uh, take place. And uh, so a few examples of this. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 49, we have the, the, the young boy, the young man, Jesus, who is uh, now uh, in the temple, and uh, his parents are looking for him. And uh, they finally find him, and they, after three days, and they say, you, you gave us a heart attack. Where were you? We're, didn't you know we were looking for you? And Jesus responds to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? that I must be here, that it is necessary for me to be here. When Jesus begins his ministry uh, formally in chapter 4, verse 43, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. This is what I must do. This is, it is necessary. It is, it is uh, an obligation. I must go and do this. He'll go on and he'll say uh, that the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. Uh, this is what must uh, happen. This is necessary, uh, a necessary thing to occur. Uh, 24-7, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, when he's uh, talking to these disciples, he says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So it was, it was a necessity. It was necessary. This, these, these things must happen. Well, why, why must uh, these things happen? It's because this is God's sovereign plan, uh, that he's working out the redemption and the salvation that he had promised from the very beginning. And uh, in Luke's own words, he, he demonstrates uh, this. One of the other uh, main themes in Luke that we see is uh, the theme of the kingdom of God. And again, these are, these are themes that show up in 
throughout Scripture and throughout the other prophets, but Luke has his own unique um, perspective, as it were, on the kingdom of God, and he, he really brings out the, the present reality of the kingdom, but also the future reality of, of the kingdom that is to come. And so we, we see Luke uh, present the kingdom of God uh, as, as a present reality, that Jesus and his disciples, uh, they, they currently hold power over the dominion of darkness, over the kingdom of darkness. They're able to cast out demons. Uh, they're able to exercise their authority. Um, in chapter 17, Jesus begins this section of, of uh, discussion on the kingdom that, uh, by saying that the kingdom is already among you. It's already in your midst. So there's a, there's a present aspect uh, to this kingdom, but there's also a future aspect. In that same chapter, in chapter 17, there's a future reality where the kingdom will come uh, in, in judgment on this day of the Lord, as it were. And if you were uh, part of uh, the uh, Minor Prophets uh, class downstairs a, a few months ago, we, we talked uh, at length about this, this day of the Lord, this day of Yahweh that is coming. And uh, Luke is, is pulling some of that uh, language about the day of the Lord to describe the future uh, day that's set and appointed by the Father when the kingdom will come again, uh, or uh, Jesus will come again, rather, and uh, the kingdom will be consummated, as it were. Uh, the, the present kingdom will come into its uh, fullest glory as, as he returns and judges uh, heaven and earth and makes all things new. And we see, uh, as, as, uh, and we'll look at this uh, in, in the next slide as well, uh, Jesus' um, resurrection and his ascension are, are the vindication of his, of his kingship. And uh, because he is the resurrected king, uh, and he commissions his disciples to go and bring the kingdom to the ends of the earth. Uh, he is he is uh, pictured by Luke as the as the reigning king over all creation, and empowering his disciples to go and fulfill their their calling until he uh, comes again and returns in glory. Well, some of the other themes uh, very very prevalent in Luke uh, are. Luke's uh, Christology, his doctrine of the person and work of Christ, and the salvation that this Christ brings. Uh, so Luke, he presents Jesus in each of his different offices as a prophet, uh, as a priest, and as a king. And he uh, gives them, or gives Jesus, and uh, um, says to Jesus, or says concerning Jesus, uh, many uh, different titles. Uh, so Jesus, he is the Messiah, he is the Savior, uh, the de- Deliverer. He's the son of David, uh, the son of Abraham, uh, the son of Adam. Uh, those are very important as he, he pulls those out of, uh, and, and shows that in his uh, genealogy of, of Jesus. Uh, but he's also the son of man. One of the most prevalent uh, themes in, in Luke, he really highlights that he is the son of man, that he is, he is a man, uh, he's a person, uh, he came to save uh, seek and to save the lost, and he's able to accomplish that because he is the anointed uh, son uh, who uh, is commissioned by God to accomplish that work of salvation. And so Luke is very clear uh, that salvation only comes through Jesus. Uh, as he says in Acts, there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Salvation only comes through Jesus. And salvation is accomplished uh, by uh, the cross of Jesus. This salvation uh, through, the, uh, through the cross, it's, uh, it's put on display for us in, in a couple very uh, vivid uh, ways in Luke's gospel. Uh, the uh, substitution of Jesus for uh, Barabbas, uh, who's the stand-in for all sinners uh, in uh, Luke 23, uh, where, where we are uh, pardoned and he receives the penalty do for our sins. And we also see it in, um, in his uh, promise of paradise uh, to the thief on the cross next to him, that he has the, build, uh, the ability to offer life uh, even uh, at his death and by his death. Like I said, and we'll, we'll look at this as we get to the genealogy, uh, that uh, uh, um, Luke demonstrates for us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic hope, 
uh, and the Davidic uh, covenant and promises. He's the son of David. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic blessing, uh, the offspring of Abraham, the, the, the true offspring of Abraham. Uh, and he's the new and better Adam. He's the son of Adam, uh, tying his genealogy all the way back to uh, the first human uh, to ever live. He's uh, a son of Adam, as it were, born of, of Eve, the seed of the woman, the one who will crush the serpent's head, uh, Genesis three fifteen. And finally, one of the another main theme to consider as we go through Luke is that this this Christ who saves and redeems his people uh, saves and redeems them into a new community uh, with its own uh, uh, its own structure uh, that's different and separate from the world. Uh, this this community uh, is is. Uh, a community for the poor and for the needy and for the outcast of society, uh, for those rejected, for those lost, uh, for those in need of help, uh, for sinners, uh, wealthy and poor and strong and weak, for everyone. That's who this community is for. And we see that this this community is developed, uh, or how this community develops in the book of Acts, but the foundation and the teachings that this community is built upon are the teachings of Christ, as we see uh, in Luke's gospel. Um, and, uh, and we see this, this um, the, the structure or the, um, the upside-downness uh, nature of this new community in Jesus' teaching. And we see his, his preparation for ministry in the first uh, few chapters of Luke, and then he begins his formal ministry in Galilee. And as he journeys to Jerusalem in the main section of, of the gospel, he's teaching all throughout um, the, uh, how this new community and how, these, uh, how believers and how his, his redeemed people are to relate to one another and to relate uh, to the world. And so let me stop there. Um, I want to... Um, I think we have time to look at just a few examples, and we'll get into Luke as well. But let me just stop, and are there any, uh, any questions about anything I've said? And is there anything that I didn't say that uh, could use either clarification or um, that would be helpful to, to discuss? When, when Mary hears what things said. Oh, I see. Yeah, well, we're told in the beginning of the gospel as the angel visits her and uh, she um, lovingly, willingly submits herself to the Lord and, and she, she has uh, the Lord Jesus as a baby and uh, people are visiting her and speaking of him and uh, they bring him to the temple and uh, Simeon and Anna are there and they are praising God because they get to see the salvation of the Lord worked out in real time. Uh, we're, we're told um, that Mary is uh, treasuring all these things up in her heart, um, and, uh, and uh, so she's um, beginning to realize um, uh, what, what's, what's happening, and I think, I think she understands, but, uh, you know, it's an it's a interesting question. What, what would she have thought, and how, what did she think as, as uh, she saw her, her son uh, go through his ministry and ultimately die? Um, um, we don't know um, exactly what she was thinking in each of those moments, uh, but we do know that uh, she loved him and uh, that she served him, and that she worshipped him. As uh, it was, she was in need of a savior just as much as everyone, and uh, and she viewed him as that. Um, so I don't know if that uh, answers your question. Some of those things are, you know, when Scripture uh, is silent on a matter, we we can speculate somewhat, but uh, we don't ever know for sure. Um, but um, I don't know if that uh, helped answer your question at all. No, Mary is an exemplar- exemplary uh, figure uh, in Scripture, um, but she was a sinner, uh, just like all of us in need of a Savior, and she, uh, and she um, believed in the Lord Jesus for her salvation as well. Um, but we'll, look, we'll talk more about Mary as we get into the first couple chapters. Yeah, was there a, yeah, where did Luke get his sources? That's an excellent question. Uh, there's uh, maybe, uh, what'd you say, Sparky, 100,000, a million pages of scholarly material trying to answer that question specifically. Uh, it is a great question. Um, 
Luke got his uh, sources, um, well, most scholars would say that Mark was one of the first, if not the first, gospel written. Matthew also uh, early. Luke might have been uh, third uh, in the list. Um, but Luke would have had access to Mark. Uh, he would have had access to a plethora of, of writings and other sources that would have been um, uh, authoritative in the Christian community, and he would have been pulling uh, from those sources uh, to compile his own account. And, uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that as we get in, into these first four uh, verses, because he, he mentions that. Uh, he says, as, as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. So right there, there's, there's already been um, attempts to, to, um, to write the story of this person, of Jesus Christ. And, and he mentions the eyewitnesses as well. And so he, he's pulling from all these sources uh, to compile his own account, uh, his own narrative. And so exactly what, what those sources are, uh, how many there were, uh, were they written, were they oral, uh, um, th- those are questions that we might never know the answer to specifically. Um, but uh, we do know that uh, we have these four canonical gospels that are the Spirit-inspired Word of God uh, to give the account of the person and work of Jesus Christ that that we need and that the church needs uh, to live a life uh, of faithfulness to Him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's all these, um, and you could lump those in with the the eyewitnesses. But but all these sources, all these people that that knew Jesus, of course, Jesus' own uh, earthly brothers, uh, obviously his disciples. Um, all of these were were sources. Paul obviously was a source for Luke as well uh, as a companion. Uh, Luke as a companion of Paul. So exactly all of those things, uh, Luke was was compiling into his own his own account. <laughs> Amen. Ultimately, yes, the Holy Spirit is is the source, and uh, we do confess and affirm that the Spirit did inspire uh, Luke in his writing. Well, let me briefly see if I can fly through um, some of these uh, um, some of these things, um, and I'll skip this one because we will get to the text. I promise. Um, but Luke, as a historian, uh, not by uh, profession necessarily, but uh, certainly by the, the content of his work, is a very historical account uh, with, with uh, his own theology. As a, a theologian, he masterfully is weaving his doctrine of, of uh, Christ and salvation into this very historical, detailed account of, uh, of Jesus of Nazareth. And we see this in, in Luke's introduction, which is unique. Uh, another... Um, Unique thing that jumps out from Luke's gospel is, is his continuity between the Old and New Testaments. And uh, this is not to say, of course, that uh, th- there isn't continuity in the other gospels, but, but some of the stuff that Luke uh, uh, brings uh, to uh, the forefront that the others don't is, is the detailed uh, birth narratives that Luke has in the beginning of his gospel. And Luke is uh, bringing us into an Old Testament world, as it were. In verse 5, um, he starts his story. Uh, he says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. And we read that almost as if we would read a story. Once upon a time, there was so-and-so. Luke is bringing us into this, this story, into this, this narrative, and he's bringing us into this Old Testament world. That, uh, it can't get any more Old Testament than the story begins at the temple uh, with the priest of the Lord. And we see several Old Testament themes throughout this. Uh, Zechariah's uh, wife Elizabeth is barren, a very common Old Testament theme. Uh, we see angels coming and proclaiming uh, the births of John and of Jesus. Uh, we see these uh, characters, um, uh, Mary and Zechariah and uh, Simeon, and uh, they burst out into uh, psalms, as it were, into these songs of praise um, as they see and witness God's fulfillment of Scripture uh, in real time. Uh, like I mentioned, this journey to Jerusalem, this middle section of Luke, is uh, at the heart of Luke's gospel, and it's, it contains some of the more unique uh, uh, episodes and moments uh, uh, 
that are unique to Luke of, of Jesus' life. Uh, so Jesus, uh, he, he goes to Jerusalem uh, in each of the four Gospels. Uh, Mark talks about the journey to Jerusalem. He, he tells us in chapter 10 that Jesus uh, is now going to Jerusalem, and then Jesus arrives in Jerusalem in Mark chapter 11. Um, Luke, on the other hand, uh, Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem in the end of chapter 9, and he doesn't get there until uh, chapter 19. So there's a lot longer uh, of, uh, the, of the story of events that occur that Luke is telling, that uh, Mark and, and uh, maybe the other Gospels, uh, they, they pass over. Um, uh, no pun intended. Uh, they, they skip over uh, to get to uh, the episode in Jerusalem. Uh, and it's in this section, in this, this travelogue, as it were, this, this, uh, this journey that Jesus goes on, that some of the most uh, well-known parables and episodes in, in, uh, in Luke's gospel uh, are found, uh, especially chapter 15, uh, which uh, contain the, the parables of the lost things, uh, the, uh, the lost uh, coin, the lost sheep, uh, the, the lost or uh, prodigal son. Uh, so uh, this is a very unique uh, section of Luke that really gets uh, to uh, the heart of, of Luke's uh, purpose, uh, to show that this is the Son of Man who came to seek and to save the lost. We see that in the end of this section, chapter 19, uh, with uh, that, that statement that he makes to Zacchaeus. One of the other unique uh, content uh, of Luke is this uh, episode on the uh, Emmaus Road, this uh, seven-mile road. Uh, after the resurrection. It's only in, in Luke's gospel that, we're, uh, that this event is recorded to us. And this event is so important to Luke because it, is, um, uh, it demonstrates uh, the, uh, that the, the Christ who came to suffer and to die, the suffering servant of the Lord, did so in accordance to Scripture. And as he has now fulfilled Scripture, uh, uh, he is uh, vindicated as the Lord's Messiah, uh, and he is uh, um, presented as uh, a regal, a regal uh, figure, as it were, as, as the king, as the not just the suffering servant, but the conquering king. And uh, this is uh, important to Luke as he he demonstrates uh, this this new kingdom that is going forth into all the world. And then, along with that, uh, unique to Luke is as the narrative of the ascension of Jesus to heaven. Um, only in Luke's gospel, and then in Acts is this uh, recorded for us. And um, again, it serves um, a couple purposes for Luke. It, it, with the resurrection and the ascension, this is uh, the vindication that Jesus is truly the Messiah. And also, because Jesus is the resurrected king, uh, he is reigning now, and he is able to uh, pour out his spirit, which is very important in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, He's the reigning king. He pours out his spirit on his people. He ushers in the end times, as it were, and he empowers them to live on mission and to fulfill their commission, the commission that he left them with, to go and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or as he tells them in Acts, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and then in Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. So with that all stated, um, well, unfortunately, I had an outline, but it's not here. So, um, well, it was very brief. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> it, it, it actually was. It was. It was a five point outline. I'm just gonna read it to you, and uh, and we'll we'll revisit it as we go along. But we we see the outline of of uh, the book of Luke. Uh, he tells he begins with this introductory section in the first two chapters of Luke, which has the birth narratives and uh, and it's the the introduction to uh, his um, to to the person of Jesus. And then in chapters three and four, we see Jesus's preparation for ministry. So this is Jesus' baptism. Uh, this is uh, the genealogy that uh, ties uh, Jesus back all the way to Adam. And we'll look at that genealogy more in depth and talk about it in connection to, to 
Matthew's genealogy. And we see that Jesus is tempted in chapter 4 as well. But then after he's tempted, in chapter 4, verse 14, we see that he now begins his ministry, and he begins his ministry in Galilee. And this is the ministry uh, that he'll do uh, uh, and give some of his his main teaching to, and we'll uh, add, we'll see in uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 6, as it were, he'll do a lot of some miracles and some other healing and give some parables. Uh, but then that'll lead us, um, and he'll call his disciples as well, uh, but then that'll lead us to chapter 9, verse 51, which says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so from chapter, uh, so from 9.51 all the way up to chapter 19, this is his journey to Jerusalem. This is the main section or some of the, the heart of, of Luke's gospel. So like I said in the beginning of class, uh, my goal for this, the next uh, 12 weeks, is to see if we can get to chapter 9. Uh, that's the goal. Uh, to uh, to look at uh, Jesus's uh, preparation and then his ministry in Galilee, and uh, as uh, Lord willing, if I have the opportunity to teach on a gospel again at some later date, we'll pick up uh, wherever we uh, leave off. Um, and then, of course, uh, chapter nineteen twenty-eight through the end of the gospel, that's Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem. That's the triumphal entry, and then Luke uh, details uh, for us the. Um, Jesus' last week in Jerusalem up to his resurrection and ascension. So that's the outline. I told you it was, it was brief. We'll, we'll look at that more uh, next week as we keep going. Well, we do have time. So now, with all that said, maybe you're thinking, Levi, just please get to the book of Luke itself. Well, here we are. We're at the book of Luke. If you would look back at chapter 1. Luke says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Well, the ESV does a good job of preserving uh, the Greek here. It is one long Greek sentence, one long introductory uh, statement uh, for the purpose of of his book. And uh, so we see that he starts uh, his gospel differently than the other gospels. Uh, So you can notice this if... If you go flip over to Matthew uh, 1, one, Matthew begins, he says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Matthew starts with the nitty-gritty right away, gets into the genealogy. Mark, on the other hand, he says this, he just says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And he gets right into the ministry of John the Baptist who brings about Jesus Christ and prepares the way for him. And we, we see that in, in Mark's gospel, he's, he's, he's concise, and he gets to the point, and he, he uses the word immediately so often. He's, he, his action's always moving. He's getting through uh, the content to, to get the big picture, that Jesus is the, the Messiah, that he is the Savior of the world. And we know John's gospel begins, uh, and he's tying back to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we see that all these different Gospels, they start in unique uh, places, in unique ways. Uh, and so we see some of the emphasis, uh, emphases of Luke, some of his, his desires, that he wanted to be very, uh, maybe uh, compared to John, who was very theological in his discussion of the life and ministry of, of Jesus. Uh, and that's his orientation. Luke is very historical. He's, he's telling a story. He's telling and giving a, a narrative account of the life of, of Jesus. And he gives this account, dedicates it to Theophilus. So, so who is Theophilus? We've mentioned him a few times. Uh, Theophilus, most likely a real person. Uh, his name means uh, 
friend of God or beloved of God. Uh, sometimes people have um, considered uh, this name to be allegorical, uh, to uh, as a dedication to all those who love God or who are seeking to love God. And it's it's true that uh, this book is written for, for all such people, and it's written for all of us. Uh, but uh, most likely a, a, a real person, uh, a convert to Christianity, we see that uh, he has been taught some things in verse 4. He's been taught uh, about Christianity, about Jesus already. Um, and his, his, uh, Luke's dedication to him as the most excellent uh, Theophilus indicates uh, to us that he was some man of stature uh, within the empire. And possibly, uh, some have speculated that he might have even uh, provided the funding for Luke to, uh, to accomplish this, this work. Um, so we don't know all that for sure, but, um, but he certainly uh, um, played some part and uh, is, is uh, the recipient of, of this work, and, and the same with the book of Acts. Well, we already talked a little bit about Luke's uh, sources. Um, uh, as he mentions here, uh, many have undertaken to compile a narrative of these things that have been accomplished among us, and there's the eyewitnesses' accounts as well. And so Luke is pulling from all these sources, and we see this from the opening of his account. He, he's, he's compiling these sources together so that he himself, uh, who also followed these things closely, he says, that he might give his own account, an orderly account, uh, of the things uh, that have happened. And so he, he says that he wants to uh, give an orderly account, uh, just as others have compiled a narrative of the things that have been accomplished. Um, and so what we want to draw from this is that this is a true story of true events. Um, this isn't uh, based on true events. Uh, this isn't uh, a documentary that might say that or, or some other uh, work, but this is, this is an accurate account of what truly happened. Um, sometimes when we use the word narrative, we can have a negative connotation to it, and we can, we can say, well, well, that's just your narrative. Uh, it's just your opinion. That's just your narrative of how the events went down. That's not what uh, Luke is saying here, but this is, this is an, an accurate representation of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ uh, that is reliable, uh, that is authoritative even, so that the purpose is that there might be certainty, uh, that it would be uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, as it were, uh, the highest level of proof possible, uh, that uh, he would be certain that the things that he had been taught and the things that we had been taught are true, are accurate representations of what occurred. Another thing that we see in just the, these uh, four, um, these four uh, verses is that uh, it is a narrative of the things accomplished among us. That's how he describes uh, the content of his, his writing. Is these, are, these are the things or these are the matters that have been accomplished. The word accomplished there is, is the word uh, fulfilled. Uh, so uh, Luke is, again, getting to that theme of the fulfillment of the Scriptures. Uh, these things have been fulfilled. They have been accomplished. Uh, they have been brought about. God's sovereign plan of redemption uh, has been uh, completed and fulfilled and accomplished through uh, Jesus Christ and through His, his ministry. And he says that they, they've been accomplished among us. And so he, Luke is, is putting himself then, that first person, he's putting himself into the story. So this is uh, a part of the new community that he talks about. That's one of his main themes that we mentioned. Uh, this, is what, uh, uh, this is what has been accomplished among them, uh, that the, 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 the kingdom is here, that the new community has been created, as it were, that the church exists, um, as it were. And, and notice the preposition, which is so important, uh, that it's been accomplished among us, uh, not by us or not, not through us. Um, so Luke is not assigning any agency to uh, the fulfillment of these things, uh, to himself or to others, uh, but they are the recipients of what has been accomplished, accomplished by, by God through Christ and through his Spirit. Uh, and and uh, it has been accomplished among them, and they are recipients of that. Uh, they are uh, the uh, the ones who have been redeemed and have been saved, 
and now uh, out of that uh, salvation, they are going and, and fulfilling uh, the calling that God has put on their lives through the power of the Spirit. But this is what had been accomplished among us. We already talked about the uh, certainty of, of, uh, of the Scriptures and of, of His sources and of, of His writing. But again, it's, it's, uh, he, he mentions it so many times uh, in, in this short section of the, the different um, amount, as it were, of, of sources and of eyewitnesses, uh, of the people who have seen the risen Lord. All this is what he's, he's, he's thinking of and referring to. And so there's such an overabundance of the evidence and the sources uh, that... Uh, um, that Theophilus can indeed have certainty, and by extension, all of us can have certainty over the things uh, that we have been taught. And so that's a great way uh, for us to leave it this morning, is, um, is there any doubt in your mind about any of these things, uh, about the historical reliability of the story and the personal work of Christ, or about the reality of, of that work in your own life, about the promises of Scripture, uh, that say you are a beloved son and daughter of God, that your sins are forgiven. Is there, is there any, any doubt in any of the doctrines uh, that we were taught, uh, that we have been taught? Luke's desire and, and God's own spirit, uh, his desire for you and for us, for me, is that we would all have certainty and that assurance uh, that God is for us, that the, uh, that the gospel is good news. Uh, that uh, salvation has been accomplished by, by Jesus Christ, and that he did indeed come uh, to seek and to save the lost, uh, all of us uh, who were once lost but now have been found and have been saved. So we'll end it there. Uh, we got through four verses, uh, so we're, we're on track. <laughs> Are there any, any questions or any, any final thoughts? We have a, a few minutes as we close. Yeah, that seems to be the implication. So Paul uh, or uh, so Luke says that there uh, have been many who attempted to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished, uh, but we have four. Uh, so were there more? Uh, what happened to them? Um, there was uh, that's something that that we don't know. Um, um, presumably, there were many. Uh, and, and different varieties of sources. Obviously, there, there would have been a strong oral tradition that all the gospel writers would be pulling from. Um, and that has led scholars to, uh, to, um, to think and to posit that there were uh, some other written sources that maybe were shared among the different uh, 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 gospel writers. So uh, those are all interesting, fascinating questions that um, I don't know if we'll ever find satisfactory answers to. Um, but uh, what, what is um, very uh, um, uh, helpful uh, is, is, is just the fact that the four gospel, gospels that we do have are attested to so thoroughly by a variety of ancient manuscripts uh, that we can have certainty that the, these really are uh, the historical account of, of Jesus. And again, as we confess, these are the accounts that uh, the Spirit has inspired uh, and uh, that God has, has given to us of his own volition. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, thank you all for your attention this morning. Uh, we'll pick back up verse 5 next week. Thank you. <laughs>